Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. We're very glad to have all of us back, whether you're in person here at Woodlands or Bukit Panjang or Covenant East at Suntech. And if you are also tuning in online, can you turn to your neighbor? Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, Yay, start already. Okay. Yay, start already. Okay, now turn with me, please, to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. We're going to begin there. Chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of Daniel. Okay. The school year had started for our children and there was a science teacher who was teaching her seven to eight-year-olds about magnets and how there's a force field that attracts things and, and metals and so on. And then down the, the week, she gave a pop quiz and the pop quiz said that my name has six letters. I start with the letter M. I pick up things. What am I? More than half the answers that came back was the answer, Mother. I pick up things. <laughs> now, when we think of, or if someone were to mention the book of Daniel to us, what's the first person or first thing that comes to mind? Okay, can you turn to your neighbor, turn to the next to you? What's the first thing, first person that comes to mind when you think of the book of Daniel or someone mentions it? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. You can talk to your neighbor. I did this with different ones in covenant, and chances are, chances are, it would be to the effect of Daniel and the lion's den. How many of us? Daniel and the lion's den, okay? Uh, three friends in the furnace, right? Okay, or Gentile kings like uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, and so on. Now, while these are major characters in the book of Daniel, I want to suggest to us that the main character, the central character in the book itself is God. Now, in our devotional journal leading up to this Sunday, you would have seen from Pastor David that there are many divine titles given of God, right? Such as the God of heaven, the God of gods, the Most High, and so forth, 40 over times. And here, as we begin, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, here's what happens in the year 605 BC, historically. In the third year of the reign, verse 1, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So the book opens in 605 BC where the ruler of the superpower empire of Babylon starts to invade cities and take it for himself. One of them is the ancient city of Judah, the Jewish people, where they stayed. And from a historical and a political lens, it appears that the people of Judah have been defeated, conquered. In time to come, in the span of 20 to 30 years, at least four to 5,000 able-bodied men will have their hands tied up, dragged all the way to the ancient city of Babylon for consigned labor, of which Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, will be part of all these men. Or we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Judah had been defeated. And from a religious lens, 
In those days, people in ancient warfare believed that not only are the two armies fighting with sword and spear, the patron deities are fighting over these cities of the two nations. It appears, therefore, the God of Judah, Yahweh, has been defeated and quelched by the gods of the Babylonians. But verse 2 now gives us the actual version from a theological lens, what actually happened. Verse 2, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. The Lord gave. Since the start of the year, our senior pastors have led us in a burden we believe to be led of the Lord into his hands. And as we scroll the news today, I trust we see how timely, how even prophetic this is of placing all things into God's hands. When we look at, for example, how Singapore is facing the looming silver tsunami, and more and more of us will feel the weight of caring for our aged parents. When we see the younger ones having their mental health assailed because of pressures and isolation, how the moral norms are shifting among the younger generation, we have no other place to put our generations except into God's hands. We look at our nation where we feel the, the pinch in our pockets because of the rising cost of living. My hairdresser just increased the price by 20%. And we see how workplace burnout and, and quiet quitting is, is commonplace now. And retrenchment has climbed beyond 30%, largely due to big tech companies. We don't even know whether our jobs are secure or here to stay. We have no other place to put our nation except into God's hands. We look at what's happening around the world, the geopolitical tensions, how the ties between superpower nations are, are going south, how the climate crisis has come to a, almost the point of tipping, point of no return, where countries face punishing droughts that dry up rivers, floods that submerge homes, bone-chilling harsh winters, and we have no other place to put the world except into God's hands. But if God is the central character, the central person in the book of Daniel, here's the good news. We have a big God. Can we say amen? Now, can you do this with me, okay, with your hands? Uh? If our God is big, okay, our problems are small. But if our God is small, our problems are big. Okay, turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor, okay? Show, tell your neighbor, if my God is big, my problem is small, but if my God is small, my problem is big, okay? Now, the good news is that the book of Daniel shows us a big God, and because of time, I'm just going to show us two pictures that God invites us to hang on to. These are pictures of God that draw us to deeper faith, deeper trust, as sometimes life spins out of control, so that when we place all things into God's hands, including ourselves, our families, our nation, and the world, we do so with deeper trust and deeper faith. Now, here are the two pictures. The first is that of a sovereign God who holds the nations. A sovereign God who holds the nations. Now, the book of Daniel is divided into two halves, 1 to 6 and then 7 to 12, okay? Now, 1 to 6 tends to be the part that we are more familiar with, right? Because it recounts the stories in narrative form of the faith adventures of four young men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, how they'll be tested again and again and again for their faithfulness to God 
and how by God's help they would pass with flying colours. Now, be it, for example, refusing to eat the food dished out to them, even from the king, probably because not kosher, that's chapter 1, having to interpret the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar and later the writing on the wall during King Belshazzar's time, and having to say to these kings what God wants to say rather than what they want to hear, at the risk of their heads rolling, or refusing to pay homage to the king, be it chapter 3 and chapter 6 later when the decree went out, again at the risk of execution. And by God's help, we, we love these stories because time and time again, they pass with flying colours and they get rewarded. Now, so two verses are there on the screen of how God honoured them as they chose to honour God and stay faithful to Him. Okay, so read with me, chapter 2, verse 48 together. Then the king gave Daniel high honours and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And later on in chapter 5, verse 29, after he interpreted the writing on the wall, together with me now, then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed in purple, a chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. And we love this because one common thread across these six chapters is the honouring of God's servants who are faithful. But the part we tend not to see, which is actually the flip side of the coin, is not only the honouring of God's servants who are faithful, but the humbling of Gentile kings who are boastful. Not only the honouring of God's servants who are faithful, but the humbling of Gentile kings who are boastful. Now, we begin to see glimpses of that as the story unfolds. So when we come to chapter 3, for example, when King Nebuchadnezzar wants to throw the three friends into the furnace, right? Chapter 3, verse 15, was King Nebuchadnezzar's arrogant question to these three young men. And I begin at the start of the verse, where he says, verse 15, Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image, which is actually himself, that I have made, well and good, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. Notice now, who is the God that delivers you out of my hands? What he did not expect was that he had to eat his own words later. Because when these three men were thrown into the furnace, he saw a fourth that looked more than human. He sat up, and when they came out unscathed, he had to admit to the people, that's chapter 3, verse 29, chapter 3, verse 29, that therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, their houses laid in ruins, for notice, there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar thought, these three young men are in my hands. But God says, uh-uh, they are in my hands and I will rescue them. The story gets even better. By the time we come to chapter 4, here was Nebuchadnezzar on the rooftop. If you remember the story, he was looking at the whole empire and all that glitters. And who did he give credit to? I am M. I, me, myself. 
And Daniel had already prophesied to him, watch out when you do that. And truth be told, when he did that, his mental health went down the drain. He became insane. His his hair became like bird's feathers, his nails like bird's claws, and he was driven away until he recognised this God over the nations, including over Babylon. And from his own mouth, he will have to declare to his own empire, chapter 4, verse 35 now, chapter 4, verse 35. If you can read this together with me, one, two, go. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honour the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Notice, none can stay his hand. This humble lesson will be learned the hard way again. Down the corridors of time, when his grandson, Belshazzar, during the alcohol party, took out the sacred vessels and cups from the temple of Jerusalem to drink, and in so doing, desecrated and defiled the holy articles, made sport of the God of Judah. And when the hand from God appeared and wrote on the wall that caused Belshazzar's face to turn like a sheet of white paper, his knees to buckle, and when Daniel gave the prophecy that his end will come, it happened that very night when he was murdered and his kingdom captured and taken over. Why? This is what Daniel says to Belshazzar, chapter 5, verse 23. Chapter 5, verse 23. But you have lifted up yourself against the God of heaven, and the vessels of this house have been brought in before you, and your lords and wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, who do not see or hear or know. Notice now, but the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honoured. The honouring of God's servants who are faithful, the humbling of Gentile kings who are boastful, even kings of superpower empires are no match for the hand of God. For the past three years, nations all across the world have been personally greatly humbled, not by nuclear weapons or by flying missiles, airplanes that invade into our airspace, but something so small our eye cannot see and yet has caused about 671 million people across the world to be infected, at least 6.8 million people who died and still counting. And it was a time where we recognised, my goodness, we had to scramble for vaccines, we had to lock down and so on and so forth. And I I believe, my friends, even through COVID, God's hands was holding the nation to humble us. And God was advancing His own agenda. How? John Piper wrote a book called Coronavirus and Christ. Now, let me quote therefore from him, that God has used the suffering and upheaval of history to move His church to places it needs to go. In the coronavirus, God is loosening the roots of settled Christians all over the world to make them free for something new and radical and to send them with the gospel of Christ to the unreached peoples of the world. Even pandemics will serve to complete the Great Commission. Can we say amen? Even pandemics under the mighty hand of God would serve to complete the Great Commission. 
Why? There is something far more deadly than coronavirus. It's a spiritual virus called sin, where the infection rate is 100%, fatality rate 100%. The only cure, the only antidote is the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. And God, even with coronavirus in His hands, moving the nations, moving disciples of Jesus so that the gospel may go out for such a time as this. Now, because of time, I will just highlight a few key stories or a few stories that shows us how God is bringing the gospel all across the world. Now, these, these are Christians and Christian leaders, one of them by the name of Ben Woodcraft, who says that before COVID, my wife and I have been trying to invite neighbours of ours to an evangelistic course, probably something like Alpha. They had been interested but had to say no due to work. Then last year when we invited them again, lockdown meant that they said they could maybe come one or two sessions. In the end, they came every week. I had since had three sessions one-on-one -on -one after the course to go through an overview of the Bible because one of the neighbours was keen to learn more after the course. Another one from Ireland, his name is Robin, he says that when we couldn't pass books out as a church, we bought copies of this book called Where is God in a Coronavirus World, made a short promo video and, and put it on Facebook, letting people know they could pick up a free copy from some of the shops in the village who kindly agreed to let us place them there. There was great interest in the books and in fact, we had to order more. From a missions agency, that in Estonia, 86% of nationals self-identify as atheists, means they do not believe there's a God. But churches are seeing positives in these challenging circumstances, where 30 out of 85 in a denomination started using the internet to broadcast their activities. Now listen to this. The Estonian government has offered time on national public TV every Sunday morning for broadcasting worship. Can we say hallelujah? Another church in the Middle East started broadcasting their services online and it reached even a particular country in that region where preaching the Bible or the gospel in person could land you up in jail. In Singapore, where we are, COVID pushed us to ministries and to reach out to people we have never thought of. We think of the Malaysians that churches were housing, including Covenant, because they couldn't cross back the causeway and they felt the love of God with all this practical help. You and I may remember, for example, how during this whole past three years, because we learned to use Zoom, we became quite well-versed in it, we end up having what we call digital mission trips, where we could reach out to people from other countries without even stepping out of our house. And here's a picture of my CG having a week after week of uh, English lessons with Vietnamese students and at the end sharing the gospel. Over Zoom, Wednesday after Wednesday during lunchtime, we had four waves of prayer for the nations, 61 weeks in total. Not despite COVID, but precisely through it. And you and I would have heard about the outreaches to our, our migrant workers across the past three years from our different centres last Sunday. And because how God is moving the different pieces during the time of COVID, we have more than 300 migrant brothers already coming into the kingdom and professing faith in Jesus Christ. Can we give thanks and praise to our God holding the nations, the gospel advancing, not despite COVID, but precisely through it. Why? He's holding the nations. He knows what he is doing. Even when, even when kings tend to rule in power and have their way. 
we just commissioned and prayed for Kezia and Hazel to join Sarah at East Timor. And this is the next wave, we believe, of God taking the gospel to the nations through the church. The borders are open. We would have heard the advertisement that Hong Kong is trying to attract more tourists by free tickets, right? And I trust that we are traveling not just for holiday's sake, for, for the gospel's sake. Last year in December, CGs have already started going out to countries like Indonesia, Thailand, Philippines. My CG is planning to go to, to another mission trip this year. We are asking us as a spiritual family, because the time is short, God is holding the nations and advancing this agenda of the gospel during this post-pandemic time. And another QR code will come up on the screen, and this contains information of the mission trips this year that we can all be part of, together either as families or as CGs together as spiritual family. And we are inviting you to scan and prayerfully consider how is God leading you? How is God leading your family? How is God leading your CG? Now, for some of us who are thinking, uh, Pastor Edmund, can I pray about it first? Can. In the words of Pastor Darwin, scan first, then pray later. Because if you pray first, uh, the QR code is gone. Okay? <laughs> All right? But let's join together whatever way so that we can engage in taking the gospel to the nation. For some of us, it could be as simple as Alpha because we may have expat colleagues at the workplace, neighbours who are transnationals, and we can invite them to Alpha online. Our sovereign God who holds the nations. The second picture that Daniel gives us is that of a faithful God who holds the future. Our faithful God who holds the future. Now, when we come to the second half of uh, the book now, turn with me please to chapter 7. Chapter 7, okay? Now, when we come to the second half of the book, this is where it gets a bit tricky or a bit puzzling because we're going to see images and, and uh, languages and visions that we are scratching our head over and these images uh, prophesy and describe the rise and fall of empires that will come because after Babylon rises and falls, other empires will take place, be it the Medo Persians, the Greeks or the Romans. And some of these pictures and imagery might be even more puzzling or more difficult than the PSLE maths questions that some of our parents are scratching our heads over, okay? Because you will see, for example, four creatures, that's chapter 7, or four beasts, and then you're trying to figure out what's going on, and then you see a ram and a goat at chapter 8, they langa each other, or they're fighting, okay? Then chapter 11, you have kings from the north and southern region also fighting. Then some of us are scratching our heads, may not understand what's going on, okay? Now, the preaching team will try our best, to unpack some of these because uh, Bible experts have different views, which kingdom is it referring to, when is it fulfilled, so on and so forth. Okay? We'll try our best. Here's the consolation. There is one verse on our devotional journal this month, on the front cover, that's chapter 1, verse 17. It's meant to be our memory verse for the month, okay? But I want to invite us to read it out first. You ready? Okay, ready? One, two, go. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So here was God endowing Daniel with the gift to interpret the dreams and to understand them, right, to the Gentile kings. But by the time Daniel comes to chapter 7 to 8, he sees all these visions, and in chapter 8, he says this, uh, chapter 8, verse 27, that he was appalled by the vision and he did not understand it. So if you do not understand what's going on in chapter 7 to 12, we are in good company even with the most gifted. Okay? However, having said that, the centerpiece 
around which everything revolves. The main event of which everything else is a sideshow is found in chapter 7, verse 9. If you can follow that with me in your Bible now, chapter 7, verse 9, it says that as I look, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head was pure wool. His throne were fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were open. Verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, and all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So here was the prophet Daniel in the midst of the, all the puzzles uh, in the whole picture and trying to understand and figure out what's going on. He sees this vision of God as the Ancient of Days on his throne and that's the centerpiece of the book of Daniel in the second half. Now question, why is God referred to as the Ancient of Days? Because this term is unique to the book of Daniel. The word ancient today doesn't sound very nice, right, in terms of its meaning. So, for example, if a young person says to you, hey, your, your handphone quite ancient, eh? It's not meant to be a compliment, by the way. It, it means either your phone is old, outdated, obsolete, laggy, you, you get the idea. So why in the world is God called the ancient of days as the centerpiece? I want to suggest a better idea to see is not ancient of days, but ancient of time. And when God is ancient of days, it's not because He's so old, uh, His white long beard touches the floor. But that this God, because the Bible tells us it's from eternity to eternity, a God unbound by time and space. King Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, he declared in his prayer that the heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. And if that's our big God, He's unbound by time and space, even though time has a beginning and time has an end, the Bible tells us that our infinite God, the Ancient of Days, was there even before time started. All the way to the time when time will end and cease, and He'll be there even after time has ended. Why? Because He's outside of time. And because he's outside from time, he can see the end from the beginning or even before the beginning started. The Bible tells us that Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was slain when? Before the foundations of the world were laid. Even before time began, God already had in mind the whole agenda of the cross. So that centuries down the corridor of time, when we come to Revelation chapter 1, John the Apostle will see an almost exact vision that Daniel saw. And in Revelation chapter 1, this is what's recorded for us beginning from verse 13. Verse 13, And in the midst of the Lamb stands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. Do you notice the similarities? 
The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came out a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in full strength. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. It was a vision so fearsome, he fell flat and dared not look anymore. Except the major difference between this vision and the one in Daniel is that in the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel saw the Son of Man and the Ancient of Days as two separate persons. That's Daniel chapter 7. But when we come to Revelation chapter 1, he saw the Son of Man as the Ancient of Days. Pastor, what does that mean? This God, unbound by time, who sees the end from the beginning, even before time began, who will exist even after time ends, stepped into time as the Son of Man, Jesus, went to the cross for our sins. After three days, rose from the grave, to tell us even that the worst can happen in life can be reversed. Because you, you think about it, what's the worst that can happen to us if we have cancer, if we, we have COVID, we die, right? The death is reversed. And God steps into time to unmask the mess of our lives and give us a whole new world order. And if this God of ours is unbound by time, here's the good news, my friends. This may, this may blow our circuits. This God who is now the same yesterday, today and forever is already in the future now. In other words, the good news, my friends, not just simply, oh, God is with us now. That's correct, but that's not the complete picture. God is with us now, but God is already at the finishing line now. So that God not only holds the future of the world, God holds our future until Daniel chapter 12 happens. If you turn back with me, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, that at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble as never had been since there was a nation until that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those, notice verse 3, who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And until Daniel 12 happens at the end of time, this picture of God who holds the future as shown in the book of Daniel tells us he is already at the future now because he's the ancient of days. God willing, next month Sue and I will be going for our sabbatical. Seven years ago, during our first sabbatical while we were away, we sold our first HDB flat. So we came back homeless. And uh, Sue's parents were very kind to squat us at their place meantime while we were looking. And after short listing, uh, we said, let's go for this unit because it was the cheapest. Okay, spirit is willing, but the cash is weak. So, <laughs> so we said, yeah, let's, let's try our best to close the deal. Okay? So, but the problem was the owner of this unit refused to negotiate, refused to even see us. 
And our agent said to us, I think I can just push a few more thousand and close the deal for you. So Sue and I went back to pray, and for some reason, it just didn't sit with me. I had no peace, it didn't feel right, and I told the agent no. The house got sold, and I did not expect for the first time in my life, I went into insomnia for three nights. I felt the weight of leading the marriage, and I felt as though I had stepped out of the will of God, and I could not reverse it. And I could see no other option, no other way around it. Sometime down the road, probably about a few weeks later, another unit came up uh, for, for viewing and all that. So Sue and I went to see, and the owner said basically that this is my asking price. This is the lowest I will go, okay, lowest I will go, and not, not anything lower. So, so Sue and I went back to pray. And then we said, you know, let's, let's knock on the door and see where the door opens, okay? So I offered $10,000 below the minimum. And the owner said yes. So we were scratching our head now, oh, we now have a house we didn't ask for, except when the valuation report came out, it was much lower than the agreed price that I had already signed and paid the $1,000 to exercise the option. And I said, good night, I don't have that kind of cash to pay for this unit. And I told the, the, the agent basically, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to pay so much cash, I'm prepared to let the house go for gold, the $1,000 and, and so on. Then the agent said, why don't you counter offer? I said, how to? I already signed. He said, never mind, try. So Sue and I went back to pray and there was a very distinct word to me while we were praying, empty the account you open for your sabbatical. So there was a particular sum of money there and I told the agent that based on this sum of money I can pay for cash, this is my best price I can give, which is another 20000 below the agreed price. And the day that the option lapsed was the day I was at a silence and solitude retreat alone with God. So there I was under the noonday sun, perspiring, walking down the rail corridor, knowing in all likelihood I'm going to lose the $1,000, I have to start the search all over again. And there I was there, happy. And I couldn't explain it. At the end of that day, the agent and I got in touch and the agent said, he agreed to your new price, which is 20000 below. That year was the year we were doing the book of Ezra over our pulpit. And one day during quiet time, one verse in chapter 3 jumped at me. Verse 7, where the people of God, with the resources given, built the house according to the grant given by King Cyrus. There was a very distinct impression that morning during quiet time, you're going to get a grant from the government. So I said, thank you, Lord, but as I was writing this in my journal, cannot be. Because I used up all the grant at my first house already. So I shared this with Sue, what, what I felt God saying, and Sue also said, cannot be, all our grants are used. The next day, agent called me. I'm applying for housing grant for you. I said, I have man, I used up everything already. Never mind, try. Now you want my agent's number, right? Okay. <laughs> Following day, HDB called. Hello, Mr. Wong, you applied for a grant, right? Uh, yes. Can you come down and sign it with your in-laws? I put down the phone, I scratched my head. What's going on? How come I got money with HDB? I don't know I have. 
It, it, the sums are not tallying. So I actually went back, uh, I went back to tell my in-laws, HDB could have made a mistake. Okay? That's how much faith I had. <laughs> they could have made a mistake, and there's a chance that when we go to the HDB office, uh, there's no ground. Oh, sorry. Okay, then we come back empty-handed. There is a chance, okay? I just want to prepare them, just in case. So we went to the HDB office, we signed for a grant of $20,000. I was driving back and then suddenly the light bulb turned on and it clicked for me. When we bought our first house, there was a grant ceiling. Through the years, PM announced the grant ceiling increased and the government gave us the difference. Like that also can. Yeah, can we give praise and thanks to God? Now, why do I share this story? Not because I want to introduce my agent to you nor that this is the way God works all the time. But when we can't see around the corner, there are financial limits, we, we can't see what's ahead, we, we are facing a relational stalemate that we don't know how long this tunnel will be. Will there ever be light at the end of the tunnel? The Bible invites us, God invites us as we place whatever, your loved ones, your circumstance into my hands. I want to show up. Can we say amen? And because when He does, like the book of Daniel, we have God's stories to tell. Daniel and his three friends had the story of the intervention of God imprinted into their lives so that King Nebuchadnezzar, King Darius can declare the greatness of this God of Judah and Israel. And their stories now recorded in the scriptures given down to us so that through their stories, our faith grows in this living God. And God invites us now, place all these things in my hands so that when there are God's stories that I will imprint in your life, you have your God stories to tell to future generations that need to know this God, who is the God of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and Joseph, to the nations for such a time until I come again, this God who is incomparable, no one is like him. In a few moments' time, what I want to invite us to do is this, as a symbolic act to represent what's going to happen in our hearts is this. Can you do this with me in your hands together? You see, very often we like to hold on and have control. Be it, will our jobs be there tomorrow? Be it, our parents' health? be it our marriage, our finances. But what God invites us to do, this is a rehearsal by the way, what God invites us to do is to open up our hands and to turn it over. So that when we turn it over and release all these things back into the hand of God, something is released here. There is a certain restedness and trust in Him even though we cannot see how things unfold. And when God writes His story in our lives, these are the stories we can tell over and over and over again. Let me close with this final story before I invite us to do that together. Pastor Kelvin Miller was at the backyard of his house once with Michael Card, and they were looking up the night sky was full of stars. And Michael Card gave him a book about astronomy that wowed him. When we look through the telescope and see a star, what we usually see is a pinpoint of light, right? 
And we tend to see from our vantage point that, oh, this light is in a particular location in space and it's not moving. But actually, stars are nowhere in space because they move on average with speeds of 200 over kilometers per second. A snap of a finger, a star can travel from Singapore to Malacca without batting an eyelid. And when you come closer to see these stars, it's not just a shimmering light that says, Hello! These are raging hydrogen explosions with temperatures of several thousand degrees that anything nearby would vanish in an instant. God invites us, my friends, through the book of Daniel to come close and see a God you thought, I thought, we thought we knew. A God so awesome and incomparable, holding the nations, holding the future as the ancient of days. This is our God, my friends. And God invites us to draw near and see Him all over again. I'm going to invite us to bow our heads right now in prayer. And in a few moments' time, we're going to sing this song together to make a faith declaration who we know this God to be. But before we do that, I want to just give us a few moments now, just in our quiet space and time, to come before the Lord in prayer. And what is that one thing, my friends, that one word, that one phrase, that one picture God is putting into your heart right now. And God is saying, hold on to this, my son. Hold on to this, my daughter. Hold on to this, my servant. And I want to invite you in the next few moments just to turn that over to prayer right now. Together as God's family right now, my friends, I want to invite us to do what we rehearsed just now before the Lord with our eyes closed, just to clench our fists. To represent God, there are things we hold on to, we wish we can control. We wish we can know the outcomes. Lord, I don't know what else to do with this anymore. But today, I release it into your hands. So at the count of three, what I want to invite you to do as a symbolic act, is to open your palm and then turn it down, okay, at the count of three, right? Turn it down as an act of saying, God, today, from here on, I release this to you and I'm asking that you show up and do what I can't and show up and do beyond what I'm even understanding or asking. Ready? One, two, three. That's right. That's right. Let's pray together. Father God, we look to you. Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else can we place ourselves, our loved ones, our prolonged testings, our unresolved concerns, except into your loving, faithful, 
and sovereign hands. Thank you, Lord, that as we sang just now, your goodness, your mercy doesn't just follow us. It will pursue us. It will chase us all the days of our lives. Thank you as the ancient of days, you are already in the future now, waiting for us at the finishing line. Therefore, Lord, be pleased from this point on to show yourself good, show yourself great in ways beyond what we ask or imagine that you may sustain and surprise us, O God, with the wonders of your hand that we may have stories after stories like Daniel and his friends to showcase our God to future generations. Stories after stories that would be passed down the corridors of time to tell others how good, how great, how glorious is our God, the ancient of days who reigns without end. We may put our hands down right now. And I want to make another invitation before we sing this song as we bow our heads in prayer. For some of us, you came in invited by someone or you may be joining in online for the very first time. For some of us, you may have come before but you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. And this morning, uh, through the Bible, you see Jesus in a whole new light you've never seen before. This Jesus who comes as the timeless God into time, going to the cross, saving us from our sins. And today, you would like to open your heart and receive Jesus for the very first time as Lord and Saviour. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray this after me. And then with your hands to do something, and that is to raise it up so that I can acknowledge you. Whether you are here at Woodlands, across our Bukit Panjang or East Centre at Suntec or even online. I'm going to acknowledge and pray with you as you begin this newfound faith in God. Here's how this prayer goes. Lord Jesus, you came from eternity, even before time began, and stepped into time, into our broken and fallen world to save us from sin. I acknowledge my need to be saved. Thank you for going to the cross that my sins may be forgiven and I have a brand new start brand new hope as I await the coming of the ancient of days and reign with him into eternity my dear friend if that's you through that prayer asking Jesus into your life for the very first time can you just put up your hand up high for a few moments I want to acknowledge you yes the Lord sees your hand at the back anybody else across our three centres at the other two centres as well if you can just put it up for a minute so that we can acknowledge and pray with you now those of us who are online later a QR code will come up we invite you to fill in some details so that we can journey with you Lord thank you for calling Lord different ones into the kingdom this morning and we ask for those who have opened their hearts to you we recognise it is you opening their hearts to you and we ask O oh Lord that this newfound faith will keep growing come what may so that there are God stories in their life that they can tell others. Surround us with community now as we journey together so that together we can see the hand of God, great, good, and glorious. We give you thanks. We ask this in Jesus' name and we say together, 
Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and join in this song as a faith declaration now of our God, Jesus, the Ancient of Days. Though the nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall, there is still one King reigning over all. So I will not fear, for this truth. spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.